is this thing on? Are we live? Yes, we're live. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Telling TIA's podcast. Your host, yours, Shirley Jai Shields, here on this weekend of November the 20th, 19th on a Friday night. If you're listening to it, listening to the show late at night or would be what would be eight or nine o'clock at night for Mike and the OC, and of course on a Sunday afternoon wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Welcome to the Amtel Catalias podcast. Your host, your Shirley Jai Shields. Got lots to do, lots to talk about. Uh, just within the world of the NFL, in and of itself, uh, did not have a chance. It's been a hectic and a uh, week to forget. Let's just put it to you that way. Uh, which is why there was no episode on Tuesday and or Wednesday. My sincere apologies for that. You will have an episode on Tuesday or uh, or an episode on Tuesday or Wednesday for you um, come next week prior to the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll spend a first part, a first part of uh, today's program recapping Week 10 of National Football League that was giving my two cents on this little Robert Sala Rex Ryan beef that has uh, circulated its way throughout the last uh, few days or so, and I'll preview uh, the upcoming Week 11 in the NFL with the marquee matchups, picks against the spread, and gave my two cents on the New England Patriots shutting out the Atlanta Falcons uh, on uh, Thursday night football uh, just the other night. But where we begin is with the uh, is with the Week 10. Recap and just to give you a couple of things here, we'll do the. We'll, I got three points I want to address in the early games of Week Ten. Then take a break, get to the uh, get to the storylines in the four o'clock games, and then on our merry way we shall go. Um, the first things first is that you know whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Um, and there are lots of storylines in AFC. The fact that, you know, Ravens, like we discussed last week, drop into the Dolphins. The Bengals, who knows? The Raiders just like their nose diving per usual. Kansas City Chiefs might be back. I'd like to see how they perform against Dallas this weekend. We'll get to their game against, uh, against the Raiders a little bit later on in the program. And you go about the Steelers. Steelers tying the winless Lions, which we'll get to. Uh, and and no Ben Roethlisberger this week, and probably no Ben Roethlisberger in Week 12 either. No TJ Watt's going to miss some time. Uh, all these storylines in the AFC go ahead. And your Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, Ginger to Helen Beck. What, what Cleveland got destroyed by the Patriots last Sunday. We're going to do about what are are the Browns dead or the Browns finished? Um, you got so many storylines in the AFC just just within that conference alone. And then sit back and you have to say to yourselves, hey, I mean, the Tennessee Titans, you know, everybody's talking about the Patriots and Mac Jones and they've done ex- they've done exceptionally well. We'll get to them in a little bit and we'll throw them bouquets as well. But I think we got to talk about how quietly the Tennessee Titans are the best team in the AFC. Not the best team in football per se. The best team in football you could go. Best team they're the the best the only team better than the Tennessee Titans, realistically speaking, is the Green Bay Packers. Not the Rams, not the Cardinals. It's the Green Bay Packers. But the best team in the AFC, the American Football Conference by far, is the Tennessee Titans. They are four and one at home this season. Let's just put that into perspective just a little bit. The Tennessee Titans have not lost a home game since they got embarrassed, blown out, and destroyed by the Arizona Cardinals in week one. Think about that for a minute. They have not lost a home game since the first weekend of the season 
which is pretty damn impressive. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is that they're finding ways to win football games without their all-pro future Hall of Fame running back in Derrick Henry. Now, I understand that that the, the, the Ram game is one thing. The, they going, I understand that they're going up against a New Orleans Saints team that did not have Alvin Kamara for the game on Sunday and lost not to make Jameis Winston, not to be Drew Brees, but he, but he certainly is an upgrade over uh, 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 Trevor Simeon. But they are finding ways to win football games without without uh, without Derrick Henry, which they'll have to do for the at least for the next month or so. And oh, by the way, they had no Julio Jones in his football game either. And you go and look at the teams that the Tennessee Titans have beaten that that the Tennessee Titans have beaten throughout this current stretch. Throughout this current stretch, they beat the they beat Buffalo they beat Buffalo by three on a Monday night on the eighteenth of October. They absolutely destroyed and embarrassed the Chiefs on the road on on uh, on uh, no wait that I'm getting that confused with the Buffalo game. They beat but they beat Buffalo. They beat Buffalo at home on Monday night. They destroyed and and embarrassed the Tennessee Titans at home the, uh, six days after on the twenty four on the twenty fourth of October. They beat the Indianapolis Colts by a field goal, albeit fine. You know Carson Wentz and the Colts are not a very good football team, and they and and they have not played well against against uh, play against five hundred or better comp, uh, playoff worthy uh, competition thus far this season. But still a win is a one regardless and then they go then they fly west to SoFi on in front on Sunday Night football in front of America and they absolutely destroy and make and 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 and, and just pummel beat and embarrass the Los Angeles Rams the Los Angeles Rams at home at SoFi I mean they didn't just beat the Rams that night they overpowered them they they were out they were more physical they were more dominating and they they had their way with the Rams all night long in their 28 to 16 victory back on the first Sunday of the month of November and then you turn around and then you turn around this past Sunday against an Alvin Kamara-less Saints and a Saints team led by Trevor Simeon at quarterback, all things being equal. But also from the from the Tennessee Titans side of things, they had no uh, no Derrick Henry, obviously, and they had no Julio Jones, who they traded for back in the offseason. So they now have the NFL's best winning streak at six games in a row. This Tennessee Titan team has not lost a game since uh they have not lost a game since they have not lost a game since the jet game on October the 3rd when they went into MetLife and got ambushed by Mike by Mike White by Zach Wilson and the New York Jets they're riding a six game win streak you know they their their running game without Derrick Henry is is uh it's serviceable to put you know to put it to, they you know it's serviceable not anything to write home about and and they surely do miss Derrick Henry but it's serviceable but you know Ryan Tannehill doing what he need doing you know doing what he needs to do 19 to 27 through a touchdown pass 213 yards and then of course you had uh the receiving wise you had in place of Julio Jones, Marcus Johnson. Who, what? Yeah, Marcus Johnson have a five reception, 100-yard receiver day uh, as well. And then you also just got to give credit to the... Uh, t- now, that game was a lot more... Now, one of the benefits of that game is you had a... Is that you had a uh, a uh, Devontae Harris fumble. 
But, you know, and that game was a little too close for comfort. You thought that the, that just how the Titans were playing throughout the first half and once the Titans drew first blood as far as cracking the scoreboard is concerned that you thought, hey, Tennessee is going to blow out, uh, is going to beat is going to beat the Saints by a minimum, no less than 17 points. So their defense kept, kept, the, uh, kept the Saints in the game. And don't get me started on that bonehead asinine. Uh, roughing the passer penalty that went that that went against the Saints that helped the Titans on that on that uh, on that red zone touchdown drive, but the Tennessee Titans quietly are playing very 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 good football that would that would concern me if I gotta face them down the line in the postseason. Now the only issue is with the Tennessee Titans is the fact and you and you and you take this into account. With all good teams that are that are playing good football in the month of November around the holiday season, uh, before I should say before the ho- the holidays come around, is that you fear that they may be is that you fear that 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 football team in this case the Titans are peaking way too early that that they're hitting their stride and that they're and that they're playing their best football, which I mean the 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 Saint game isn't their best isn't their best football by any stretch of the imagination, but you get the idea you fear that they're hitting their stride a little bit too early but you go ahead and you look at Tennessee's schedule for the rest of the way listen give Mike Vrabel a ton of credit who's an excellent coach his team plays hard for him he gets the best out of him and he teaches he teaches them the, the, the solid fundamentals and he and he and you can just tell within the culture of that football team within that locker room that they pride themselves on playing old school smash mouth your, you, you know, your, your daddy, your grandfather's old school type of uh, type of NFL football. We're we're gonna pound the rock. We're gonna we're going to we're going to build up our confidence within our offensive line. We're going to we're gonna we're gonna beat them and 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 battle them in the trenches with a strong running game. And then on the defense side of football, we're just we're just gonna overpower you. We're just gonna out hit you, which is one of the reasons why. And we'll get to the Rams in a minute. One of the reasons why they beat the Rams because the Rams are a type are a kind Kind of a finesse football team, and the and the Tennessee Titans know how to beat you the old fashioned, uh, the old fashioned old school quote unquote blue uh blue collar way of winning football games. So attack at the line of scrimmage, strong running game, and a and a and a defense that has the ability to overpower you when you give them a chance with solid, competent quarterback play for Ryan Tannehill. But you go back and look at the teams that the Tennessee Titans have played. So far this season, they beat Bu- they've beat Buffalo at home. They beat Kansas City. They beat Kansas City at home. They beat the Rams on the road. The New Orleans the New Orleans Saints, which I get it, ancient ancient uh, Drew Brees New Orleans Saints, but still a win against the uh, the plus five hundred former playoff contender uh, New Orleans Saints is still a win. Still counts as a win. Uh, in the, really realistically, their their toughest game that remains on the schedule. Is when they play is when they play the New England Patriots at Foxborough Thanksgiving weekend on Sunday, November the twenty eighth, which is going to be which is going to be a a top tier must watch appointment TV football game when they when they play the Saints or or excuse me when they play the Patriots who are currently at seven and four. 
Other than that, they get the Titans, they, excuse me, they get the Texans this Sunday. After the Patriot game, they get the Jaguars. The Steelers, the, the Steelers should be a, should be a uh, easy win for them. Because, you know, this team is, is, is deteriorating day by day with injury. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, who can't get out of their own way, time the Lions, you'd think that come, uh, come December 19th, they'd be out of the picture as far as the, uh, playoffs are concerned so then they got san francisco to the thursday night before christmas on uh, december the 23rd and then they finish the season home against miami and on the road against the houston texans that outside of the patriot outside of the patriot game and maybe the Steelers game depending on where the steelers are come mid-december their their the rest of their schedule is smooth sailing and then quite frankly the titan the titans who are uh, who are the only team who I believe are the only team in football with eight wins uh, at eight and two. Let me just make sure that's accurate. Yep, they're the only team in the a- they are the only team in the AFC with eight wins, and they currently hold the number one seed in the AFC playoff picture. They deserve it. A fran- a team that's 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 five that's three and zero within the AFC South. They're four and one. They're four and one at home and on the road. Home inside of Nashville and four and one outside of Nashville. They have not lost a home. They have not lost a home game since uh, since week since their week one beat down against the Cardinals. And they have not lost a road game or a game in general since they lost to Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. The Titans now do I are the Titans my trendy hot pick to go to the Super Bowl? No. Are they necessarily? My 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 favorite to make it out of the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. No, they are not. But they are my favorite if either Kansas City doesn't get it, if Kansas City and or the Buffalo Bills uh, slip up and uh, and uh, Kansas City essentially lets lets their one good game against the Raiders go for not and the and the Buffalo Bills you know hit a bit of a rut. E- either or if either one of those two teams slips up. Uh, the latter is going to be is is not going to be favored over Tennessee, especially if especially if it's Kansas City, neither or Buffalo for that matter, because Tennessee uh, beat them both. And I'm not saying Tennessee and Buffalo are the best team in the AFC because they are not. I'm talking about Super Bowl. I'm talking about Super Bowl favorite. And if either of those two teams, you know, has a rough stretch, the you know the last a month and a half, two months of the regular season. There's no reason why in the world why Tennessee Titans, if not a Super Bowl favorite, are definitely an AFC Championship favorite because they've deserved. They've beat. Look, they look who they've played. They beat the their three best wins and most impressive wins of the season, on the road against the Chiefs, on the road against the Rams, or excuse me, at home against the Chiefs, on the road against the Rams, and at home against the Buffalo Bills. And, and since the week one loss to the Cardinals, this team, uh, outside of the little, uh, the little uh, foul up against the against the Jets at MetLife, this, for the most part, this team hasn't looked back since their week one defeat. And give Mike Vrabel a ton of credit for that because they deserve. They've done an excellent job. But as of right now, in mid-November of 2021, the Tennessee Titans are the best team in the AFC. I can make the argument uh, that they are the best team. In all of football, that's item number one. Item number two is the 
is the uh, te- Tennessee Titans. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their matchup against uh, Washington this past Sunday. An absolute upset. I had a feeling going into this game, uh, like Sunday morning-ish, that, that, the, that the Buccaneers were going to lose this game because they've been flying high. They're, they're, you know, they're only uh, quote-unquote bad losses that they've had this season. Uh, was again their last bad loss that they uh you know I mean New New Orleans was the last time that they lost, which was uh, which of course was the uh, which of course was the game before their bye week on Halloween, but uh they, they weren't terrible in the game, um uh, but their last offensive performance where you're just like wow just the Bucks offense didn't show up is when they lost to the Rams by ten back in late September, but. Um, but I had a feeling, you know. But I had a feeling that Tampa, that Tampa was going to be due for a loss here, simply because Washington, realistically speaking, out of all the opponents that Tampa played throughout their playoff run back this past January, uh, cultivating with the with the uh, with the Super Bowl Fifty Five victory over the Chiefs back in February this past February, outside of the Packer game and the AFC Championship game. The Kansas City, of course not, and the divisional play and in the divisional playoff game, they had their way uh, with the Saints essentially after that Jared Cook fumble. But the team outside of the Packers that gave that gave Tampa a hard enough time uh, that really, in essence, threatened uh, Tampa's uh, playoff lives. Was was Washington in that wild card playoff game in Landover, um, and simply just because of the genius and just the phenomenal play of of uh, Taylor Heineke, and it's funny, you know, with Washington this past Sunday, and with excuse me, with Washington last Sunday and the Dolphins last Thursday night against the Ravens, those two teams, the way those two particular teams played in the last week or in the last week or so, that's how I anticipated them to play right from the beginning of the 2021 season back in September. You expected solid defensive play from the from the Washington and the Miami Dolphin defense. You expected them to create turnovers. You expected them to make life easier on their uh, on their average at best offense, giving them short field and taking advantage of the, of the solid f- uh, field position to go down the field and put up points. You expected that from the Dolphins, at least I did, when the season began from Miami, which is why I predicted Predicted, predicted them to go to the playoffs as a wild card team. Washington is why I predicted them to go ten and seven, I believe, and win the NFC East because I anticipated them to, uh, you know, to 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 have a to have a strong defensive unit and to and to create turnovers and give and give Taylor Heineke and, and their uh, sputtering offense a short field. I expected this. I expected the way Miami played against the Ravens. I, ex- I I expected that, and I should have gotten that, and Dolphins fans should have gotten that when the season began back in September. Washington, same story. I I, I expected, I expected this Washington defense to make to make the opposing quarterback, and, and in this case, Tom Brady, to throw to throw for two interceptions. I expected them to top to to stop the run. Tampa Bay only running on thirteen carries for fifty for fifty three yards with with an eight yard run from Leonard Fournette, the longest run of the night. I expected that to to contain the opposing offenses receiving attack. Mike Evans uh, got. I understand no Antonio Brown and no Gronk. 
Gronk, but Mike Evans and Chris Godwin not a factor. I expected that from Washington heading into the season. I expected that. So I what so on top of the fact that I, that this that that was how I expected Washington to play right from the opening game and week one right from when their season started. Does this if you ask me does this game did their game against Tampa surprise me? No, it did not because this is how I expected Washington to play right from when the season began. I expect this is the I I see what Washington's made of. I see the talent that's on that football team, with uh, and I see the talent that they have on the defensive side of the football with Kyle Fuller and 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 and, and Landon Collins and Chase Young, who's now out for the year with a torn AC with a torn ACL injury. I expected I expected this from them, which is why I picked them to win a division and go to the playoffs because I anticipated their defense being this damn good. Now, who knew that it took that it don't, that that their defense didn't start to get good until their ninth game of the season in mid-November? But hey, it is what it is. You know, it's 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 out of it's out of your it's out of your control. But Washington did an absolutely phenomenal job of making life a living hell out of the Buccaneers. You know, Brady typically in his past has done nothing but cut up opposing defenses that play zone. Well, Washington, the, Washington, they didn't try to get after Brady. They played, they played nice zone coverage, and they confused them. On top of the fact, on top of the fact that that listen, albeit Washington played very well in the game, it was a weird game to watch because things that typically happen, you know, for for a team that has Tom Brady on it, and that has happened for the Bucks in the last season plus since Brady's been on the team. It all it, it it go it went the other way, you know. Tom Brady throwing passes to Giovanni Bernard and his wide receivers that are hitting guys, you know, right right off their hands and and falling into uh and they end up and they end up hitting the ground for an incomplete pass or falling into the uh or falling into the hands of McCain or William Jackson the third for interceptions. Brady throwing passes to guys right 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 on the chest right on the numbers and it and the ball hits him in the chest and drops to the ground for an incomplete pass. I mean, all the things that typically go in Brady's and go and have gone in the Bucks' favor over the last few years or so didn't. You know, and typically it's the other way around where it's Washington that's that comes up on the short end of the stick of a lot of those of a lot of those scenarios, but that was but that wasn't the case. Meanwhile, you look on the Washington side of things offensively, Taylor Heineke was twenty-six for twenty twenty-six of thirty-two, threw for two hundred and fifty-six passing yards, a touchdown pass, and it seems like every single ball that he threw his receiver's way, he caught. He targeted Terry McLaurin eight times. He targeted Terry McLaurin eight times. He caught six passes. Targeted uh, J.D. McKissick four times. He caught all four all four balls that went his way. Ricky Seals Jones targeted him four times. He caught three out of the four passes that came his way. Bates got targeted three times. Caught all three of the passes that thrown his way. Mine was targeted twice. Caught the two balls that was thrown his way. Antonio Gibson was targeted twice. He caught two of the passes that went his way. Sims got thrown two twice. He caught the two passes that went his way. Humphreys got thrown once. He caught it. So it's just, it, it, I mean, it's like every single time, uh, every single time it seemed like uh, Heineke would drop back to pass, regardless where he put the ball, the coverage, whatever. The Washington wide receivers, you know, stick their hands up; they're going to catch the football. What? Not, not no overthrows, no underthrows, no miscommunication, and none of that. 
it was I'll drop back the pass, I'll throw the ball where it needs to be, you catch it, and that essentially was the get was was the uh was Washington's offensive game plan for success. It was a very weird football. I'm not shocked that Washington won, but but if you watch the game, it was a lot of weird, uncharacteristic stuff that happened. Washington's offense could do no wrong. Every single ball, I, 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 read, you the, I read you the stat sheet. Every single time, it seemed like Heineke would target a guy. The guy to, his receivers would end up catching the football. Brady throw the ball directly to his directly to his wide receiving targets. It deflect off his hands, hit him in the chest, pop up in the air, pop up in the air, stay up in the air for five seconds, and it'd be an interception or, or damn near or damn near an interception with with the Washington defenders diving all over the FedEx field grass trying to catch it off the deflection. So it also is just a very very weird game. And if you're the, and if you're the Tampa defense, it is absolutely unacceptable for you all on 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 what is on what Brendan called it the drive part two. It is unacceptable for the Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense to allow Heineke and the boys to go four at four for five on third downs in the during that fourth quarter drive. Eh, you you're you're a defense. You're a, you're a Super Bowl champion defense because you know all th- all the, I understand it that the secondary is injured, but you're supposed to be a Super Bowl caliber defense for a Super Bowl caliber football team. No disrespect to Taylor Heineke, as you guys know, I got love I got love for him. He's got he's got raw talent. He's a gamer. He's a baller, and and I and I it's it's just how how could you not like Taylor Heineke? But you but come on, I mean four out of five on third downs. Washington was in that game. Four out of five. And the thing that made it worse is that every third is that all five of the third downs were third and short. They weren't there were no third and nines, third and tens, third and twelve, third and fifteens, none of that. They were they were, you know, third five, third and four, third and three, third and two, third and one. Third and shorts. And you guys can't get off the field. I mean really? And the one time they and one and the one time Tampa actually stopped Washington on third down, they get they they allowed Washington to convert on a fourth and goal to essentially put the game away. I mean that that from a Tampa perspective, that's just inexcusable. I'm sorry, very it just just inexcusable. But give Washington credit, mix up the play calling, you know, on on a lot of the pass patterns. That they ran throughout that throughout that ten minute drive in the fourth quarter, their receivers, whether it's by accident or they were told to, they stayed in bounds to help work the clock. And again, they were excellent on third and short, and give Washington their defense and their offense a ton of credit. Where where was this Washington team in week one? I mean, I was, I mean, I I picked these cats to go ten and seven because I know that 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 when all goes well, they have the ability to play the way that they did on Sunday. Where was this against the Chargers? Where was this against Buffalo? Where was this against the Saints? Where was this against Kansas City? Against Green Bay? Against Denver? They had the ability to play like this. They, they Rivera's a good coach, and they don't have and they don't have scrubs on their team. They got they got they got some talent. Why why Washington can't be three and six at this point in the season? I have no, I have no idea. Or six and three at this point in the season, I have no idea why. 
because I because I don't know how you guys how you guys feel how I feel that when all goes right they have the ability to be a play to be a playoff football team Super Bowl contender hell no but playoff contending football team most definitely because because it, I understand the whole any given Sunday piece but it goes to show. That that Washington can hang with the big boys if they just put their minds to it and cut out all the extra bull crap and, and just go out there and execute a solid game plan on the offensive and defensive side of the football. And then lastly, how about the Lions and the Steelers? I mean, my goodness. I mean, when you think it can't get any worse for the Pittsburgh Steelers, it does. I mean, and it, and it just goes to show that, uh, and it just goes to show that uh, what can go wrong will go wrong for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, that is just absolute. By the way, quick, quick stat on Brady: uh, the two interceptions that he threw, he went, he headed, he entered uh, the Washington game with eight touchdown passes, zero interceptions in the first quarter of this season. Third time in his career that Brady threw two interceptions in the first quarter, including the playoffs. You have to go back to the 2009 AFC wildcard game against the Ravens. Remember that when Ray Rice went nuts and ran the uh, Patriots out of the playoffs? And in 2012 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do I have another stat for you guys? Um, and also, uh, the 10 point, the 10 point, uh, defeat was the worst point differential, uh, in Brady's career following a bye week, just to get that off the board. I hate for you. But anyway, I digress back to Pittsburgh. I mean, when it, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong for them. I mean, tying the Detroit Lions at 16 apiece, sloppy play, fumbles, fumbles galore, I got, I got Mason Rudolph that can't hit a little simple five-yard curl pattern in the end zone, throwing the ball at the guy's feet. I mean, it's just it was just a complete mess, complete mess. Turnovers all over, turnovers all over the place. Uh, Pittsburgh turned over the football three times in the game. Despicable quarterback play from Mason Rudolph. It was just an absolute disgraceful, disgraceful performance. Give Najee Harry credit. He had a decent game. 26 yards for, 26 carries, excuse me, for 106 yards. But here's my question with the Pittsburgh Steelers in general. If you know that you do not have a plan, whether it be a quarterback for the future or for or for the backup QB in the event that something like what we saw the, a couple days ago with Ben Roethlisberger falling ill due to COVID. If you know that, and you know that your quarterback is 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 in his late is in his late thirties and he's and he's on the back not held forget the back nine the last three holes of his NFL career. If you know that, why don't you make a plan or assemble some type of plan? to to assemble some type of plan to make sure that you have the quarterback position stable enough that either when Ben retires or in situations like this when Ben can't play that you're put in a in a solid position to win because your quarterback's because your quarterback position is taken care of and I have no idea for the life of me why Pittsburgh on on one hand I see on what I, I, well, on one hand, I see why they don't want Ben Roethlisberger to retire because 
with no Ben Roethlisberger, they have nobody else in the quarterback position. What, Dwayne Haskins? I mean, ugh, garbage. And Mason, and Mason Rudolph ain't no better off, ain't no better than the Haskins is either. So I can kind of see why they don't want Big Ben to uh, to hang it up because he's the best option that they have right now. But the, but the stupidity out of it is is that there is that the is that the Steelers higher up is so con is so deceived in the thing that just because Ben Roethlisberger is a better option than Dwayne Haskins and or Mason Rudolph, that is the best out option that's out there for him. And just and just because of the fact that even though Ben is better than Rudolph and better than Haskins at this point in time of his career, that he that he automatically clear cut can get him back to a Super Bowl and he's the quarterback that he that he was back t- back 10, 12, 15 years ago. And that's obviously not the case. Just because he's better than Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph, that's not saying much of anything. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh. That's not saying much. Because he's better than Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph, who stinks. Who's, who, 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 can, who, who has issues, many of issues at times, completing the forward pass. That's, that's not anything to be proud of, anything to write home about. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. So they've completely fouled this up. They have to either find a solid backup for the remaining time that Ben Roethlisberger wants to continue to play or take a deep breath, bite the bullet, swallow your pride, throw the championships and throw the, and throw the, uh, the nostalgia and the emotions out the door and out the window and say, look, we have to have a plan either as long as Ben Roethlisberger is going to be a part of his football team or in the days and years after. We have to have a plan at the quarterback position because we cannot win game, We because we can't win Super Bowls with Ben Roethlisberger anymore and we can't win games with Mason Rudolph. I thought the last couple of seasons that that was, that was, clear, that was clear and obvious as day a la, the 20, a la the 2019 season. When Ben Roethlisberger when Ben Roethlisberger wrecked his uh, wrecked his elbow, and, and was lost for the season, having to flip back and forth between Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, I I, I thought I thought this was old news to everybody. So they gotta find a plan, whether it's a, whether it's a decent backup that can win them games as long as Roethlisberger is still on the roster, and or they gotta make a plan for who their QB one's gonna be once Roethlisberger retires, because the answer is not Mason Rudolph by any sense, by any any circumstances. And why in the world is Pittsburgh having Mason Rudolph again, who is who is a disgrace to the sport? Throw the ball fifty times against the Detroit Lions. I mean, does does that make any sense to you? I understand that that, that one like Najee Harris when you know he he didn't you know he he barely touched the ball. He did get twenty six carries. But how about in a game where you going up against where you going up against a Detroit Lion team that's desperate to get their first win of the season? You see and you know with the ebb and flow of the football game that's going to be one of those. Old school, old fashioned, grinded out. Going to have to overpower your opponent type of games where you're going to have to control the line of scrimmage, run the football well, and run the football properly. Limit the turnovers and see the best you can do in in the in the cold, wet, nasty weather. 
One, in one, one of those football games, you drop back and throw the ball 40, 50 times and put up 50 points. One going to be one of those football games. One is going to be one of those old school, old fashioned, uh, pound the rock, control the line of scrimmage, low scoring, 1940s, 1950s esque football games. And why Pittsburgh, whether it's Matt Canada, the coordinator, or Tomlin, the head coach, why they had Mason Rudolph throw the ball 50 times, especially against the Detroit Lions where they didn't have to. And just on the little sample size that I'm looking at with Najee Harris, 26 carries, a buck 05. Why? For, for what? And, and, and you saw that with the Lions. The, even the Lions knew, which one of the reasons why they, while they didn't win the game, they didn't lose it, the Lions knew that. The Lions knew that, hey, Jared Goff stinks. This weather does not fit the, the, the cold, wintry mix, nasty weather with a, with, a, with a messy Heinz Field grassy surface does not favor quarterbacks, especially the bad ones. So rather than put the ball and put the game in Jared Goff's hands to lose by having him drop back and throw the ball 30, 40, 50 times a game, like Pittsburgh would do, they say, hey, let's take the ball out of Goff's hands as much as we possibly can, control the line of scrimmage, and run the football. Perfect example, DJ Swift, their running back. DeAndre, I apologize. DeAndre Swift, 33 carries, 130 yards on the ground. Does not shock me in the slightest. Because the Lions, again, one of the reasons why they didn't lose, even though they tied, they didn't lose the game because they because because their coaches on the offensive side of the football and Dan Campbell had the wherewithal and had the smarts and were intelligent enough to say, "Hey, we know Jared Goff's not a good quarterback. We know Jared Goff. The, the put the game in the hands of Jared Goff is a recipe for disaster, especially when you're playing in bad weather such as this, where it's cold, wet, and rainy, and the field's going to be a mess. So why, so why essentially uh, wave the white flag before the game even begins by going by going on by going to zero and nine, trying to trying to make Jared Goff win the football game for us when we all know good and well he can't. Instead of instead of just playing and, and instead of playing the game and trying to win football games the old-fashioned way by controlling the line of scrimmage and just pounding the rock and running the football, I see, I see why the Lions I see I see I see why the Lions didn't lose and I see why the Steelers didn't win. Steelers put the ball in Mason Rudolph's hands, which was a recipe for disaster. And the Lions had the wherewithal to take the ball out of Goff's hands as much as they possibly could and just give the ball to DeAndre Swift and say, here, you take it, you just run. You milk the clock, you pound the rock, and you attack the Lions, and you, and you, and you send a message at the point of attack. That's what, that's what you do. But the Steelers don't have a plan. They don't have a plan of backup quarterback, and they don't have a plan... For their for the quarterback position in the event after Ben Roethlisberger retires, that's where we begin with the Week Ten recap. Get to the four o'clock window of games and my opinions on them. You're listening to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Back in a GIF.
Welcome back to the Until I Can Tell Years podcast. Switching gears now to the uh, second half of NFL action that occurred in Week 10. Um, how about my guy Cam Newton? How about Cam? I mean, guess who's back? Back again. Cam is back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who? Cam's back, ladies and gentlemen. My man Cam Newton is back. He threw a touchdown. He threw a touchdown. Ran for a touchdown in the Panthers, thirty-four to ten. When listen, Cam Newton is one of, and I, I, I said this to myself all throughout the week. Cam Newton, arguably, and I don't think you can argue this. I think this is just fact. Cam Newton is the most popular, the most well-known sports figure in North Carolina. Iconic, that's what I was looking for, why the long part. Cam Newton is the, is the most popular and iconic sports figure in North Carolina that doesn't either dribble a basketball or holds a profession within the sport of basketball. See, take out Dean Smith, Roy Williams, uh, any and every great player that played at a UNC Chapel Hill and at Duke. Throw out Coach K, you throw out Leitner, Grant Hill. You throw all of those guys out, Jordan. You throw them out. Lamelo Ball, Lamelo Ball, all about. He is the most popular and most iconic North, not from North Carolina, but but sports figure that plays slash coaches in North Carolina that doesn't dribble a basketball. When you do the North Carolina. Sport Mount Rush Sports Mount Rushmore. You throw out if you throw out Jordan and you throw out Duke and North Carolina basketball. You know who you're going with. Number one, not Steve Smith, not Jake Delhomme. You're going with not Chris McCaffrey. Uh, uh-uh. you Cam Newton. Cam Newton. He means to as much as that area. As any player that has ever played on Duke or North Carolina's basketball teams in the past, whether it's Dean Smith and Roy Williams, Coach K, you you decide. He means as much to that area as any basketball player to ever play good good slash great good and great basketball player to play for those two distinctive basketball colleges. Why? Because the energy he provides, and we'll see it on Sunday when we go up against Washington, the energy that he provides when he's in that uniform playing for that team is unlike something that 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 can be replicated. The tie-in and the connect that he has with the Carolina Panthers organization, the fans I mean, he, you you saw it. 
Now, you can sit there and make the argument. It had nothing to do with, you know, Sonic Cam Newton had nothing to do with box score. It had nothing to do with winning. It was all box office selling jerseys, uh, getting fans into the stand. Whatever it is. If, you know, if you want to say it's for quote-unquote box office, it's not entirely false. But if the... But if the Ford, if the Carolina Panthers didn't think Cam Newton didn't couldn't help them win, he wouldn't be on the roster. Outside, we all know the feel good story and the fact that he was there for and the fact that he was there from twenty eleven to two thousand and nineteen, or was it two thousand? I think it was two thousand ten. Let me. I should know when Cam Newton's rookie year was. I think it was two thousand and ten. Or, or or 2011, like I said, you, on outside of feel good story, outside of the feel good story and all of that sort of stuff, and 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 uh, and, uh, and a little warm fuzzy feeling it gives you inside. Throw all of that out. He wouldn't be with the he wouldn't be back with the Carolina Panthers if Matt Rule and company didn't feel like he didn't give him a he didn't give him a better chance to win. 2011, I got it right the first time. If he if they didn't think he did, he'd give him an, a good opportunity to win. We we wouldn't be back. They got they could have traded for a quarterback, signed one in free agency. They would they wouldn't have gotten Cam Newton if they didn't feel like he couldn't help them win. And that's just the bottom line. And it kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that you can say, well, he's there for box office fans in his seats. That may not necessarily. I like I said, that may not be entirely inaccurate. But it's not necessarily because when people say that it gives it like a negative connotation to it. I don't deem it in my eyes as anything ne- as that negative of a connotation at all, because look at it from this perspective. We all know whether if if Sam Darnold was going to, to was going to continue the way he played the first two weeks of the season, and it, and or if he didn't get hurt, we all know heading in that the Carolina Panthers were not a Super Bowl contending team. We knew that the Carolina Panthers, it wasn't a year where they better make the playoffs or their season is a failure. Or they better win a playoff game or their season is a failure. Or they better make the NFC Championship game or their season is a failure. No, no. It's it's like that for a whole lot of other franchises in the NFL heading into this 2021 season. It wasn't like that for Carolina. Carolina, it was... It was it was make some strides and try to and try to aim to win seven or eight and try to aim and win seven or eight games this year. Where seven and ten, eight and nine would be respectable and would be considered a step in the right direction. And if you go nine and eight or get lucky and win ten and seven, your season's an ultimate success. That was what Carolina's uh, expectations were heading into the season. They start three and all. They they hit the they hit the wall. Uh, Sam Darnold turns back into a pumpkin, gets hurt. Quarterback position is getting reshuffled all o- all over again. Right back to square one. This team heading into this game was 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 uh, was uh, four and five. So I got bringing Cam Newton, not just because of the box office and the jersey sales. And the nostalgic feeling that comes with bringing a fan favorite and arguably the franchise's greatest player of all time in Cam Newton back. But also because of the fact that, and you saw it on Sunday. I understand the Cardinals were injured and, and they had no DeAndre Hopkins and, and Kyler Murray didn't play. I get that. And the Cardinals were, and the Cardinals, you know, 
and the, and the Cardinals who hadn't lost the game since the I get all that. But if you just watch the game, you see the energy that he brings to that team. One of the things, and one of the reasons why, why, the, why the Panthers went on that little skid where they couldn't win, part of the reason why is that they had no alpha dog. They had no leader within that locker room. You, whether, it's the, whether it's the veteran or the up-and-coming young star, that, that's, that's the alpha dog. They didn't have that prior to Cam Newton get there. They didn't have a guy they could rally. You saw the videos on Instagram or on Twitter of Cam Newton rallying with his teammates, rallying around him on the bench in a huddle on the sideline, coaching him up, being a leader, being a mentor to him. You didn't, see, you didn't get that prior to Newton getting there. You didn't see that. And, and for a franchise that's in the middle of a quote-unquote rebuild that's looking to be more competitive as the years and as the seasons move along, you know, around 2022, 2023 is when, you, is when you, you know, you check your watch, you check the calendar, it's like, all right, y'all better win, you know, eight, nine, ten games and, you know, start making some headway and, and at some point in time the season need, need to be within the playoff competition within your conference you in order for you go in order for them to accomplish that, you got to have leaders on your team that hold each other accountable, that hold each other to that winning standard. And in Cam Newton's case, guys, veteran guys that know what it takes to win in this league. Cam Newton took the Carolina Panthers, won them an NFC championship, took them to a Super Bowl. Took them to a playoffs a few times before and after that, and won an MVP. He knows and he knows what it takes to be at not to you know not to sound uh, you know to at the I don't want and I'm not you know trying to be uh, a backhanded compliment when I say that when I say this an NFC champion. He knows what it takes to get to a Super Bowl and get to a high level where you're in the MVP conversation and you win an MVP. They need that. It's one of the reasons why they were struggling. And that positive energy that he provides, being back in the being back in the city that was his first NFL home, being back playing for a football team that that essentially has changed his life forever. That's given so much to him and he's given so much to them back. And, and and if you think not, watch the game Sunday. I I I believe the Panthers are at home. Uh, I'm like ninety percent confident that they are. That is a home game. You watch, especially because he's going up against his old coach and Ron Rivera when it because they play Washington. This you watch when he gets introduced, scores a touchdown. You watch. Everybody within the Carolina Panthers organization is going to feed off of Cam Newton's energy. And when everybody's feeling good, in good spirits, and they feel like, and they have that extra little, you know, because Cam Newton's there, they're going to go out and dive and make and try to make that extra tackle. They're going to go out of the way and make that extra effort to block a kick, to block a punt, get that little, get that little, uh, uh, that little block. During you know during a during a, uh, a a receiver's run after the catch, 
or, or a running back running down the sideline to score a touchdown. You're going to get that. Guys putting forth the extra effort, sticking their neck out a little bit more than they, than they would have back in September because Cam Newton is on the team. That does something to you. You got a you got a respected veteran who I don't want to you know want to put necessarily put Cam Newton out the pasture, but who in his day had one of the or was considered one of the best quarterbacks this league had to offer, league MVP, played in the Super Bowl. They they won't want to stick their neck out a little bit more for him, because because of the positive energy that that he brought that he brings to the team. And he lifts the team spirits and lifts the team's morale. On top of the fact, I'm pretty sure you're gonna find, you're gonna have young guys within that team that that didn't play with Cam Newton during his first stint there, but but carry themselves when they play with the mindset of they don't want to let Cam they don't want they don't want to let him down. Some people you know some people that you come across come in contact come in contact with during whether it's your work life or whatever where well you don't want to disappoint them you don't want to let them down you want to you want to achieve and, and strive for greatness just to see the gratification on that said person's face and hear the good job and and way to go and that positive reinforcement cam Newton brings that by being on the roster. And how? Who knows? Carolina plays Washington, Miami, the Falcons. Tough game against Buffalo, and tough game against uh, and tough game against uh, and again they got two games against Tampa, a game against the Saints, and a game against. So the last four games of the season are a gauntlet. But let's say they win Sunday to improve the five and four, beat Miami six and four, beat Atlanta seven and four, and the and uh. At best, they split and go two and two, uh, and go and go and go two and two. Their final four games of the season. Eight, what? Eight and nine? Not eight and nine. Nine and eight won't be good enough to get the seventh seed. I mean, who knows? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to go on a limb when I say this, but maybe signing Cam Newton. Maybe that little bit of an oomph that the Panthers need, and they could sneak into the playoffs. You just never know. And winter is coming for the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, do you want to talk? I mean, this, this, winter is coming. They were just, I see a team that is night and day from the Legion of Boom days. I see a team that is not buttoned up. I see a team that is undisciplined. I see a team that is sloppy. I see a team that is kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place that is inching that is closer to being a rebuilding football team with a top 15 top 10 draft pick than they are a Super Bowl contender. And and I, and I and I see Seattle's true colors and I see the negative coming and I see the darkness coming to the light. That has been masked and has been hidden with Russell Wilson being at quarterback for that football team. Because they, against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday, were disgraceful. From Carlos Dunlap with that egregious, asinine, ridiculous, beyond stupid 
penalty of chucking a player's cleat 15 yards down the field to DK Metcalf getting in the fights because he's quote-unquote frustrated and quote-unquote sick and tired of the losing. It's the same idiot that had the cojones to go after Shannon Sharp on Twitter because God forbid Shannon Sharp, who's a decorated one of the greatest tight ends this game's ever seen, who's won three Super Bowls and, is, and whose bust is currently sitting in the Hall of Fame, God forbid he he give commentary on DK Metcalf stupidly deciding not to step out of bounds in a closing seconds of regulation in their Sunday night game against Pittsburgh uh, last month where where Seattle needed a field where where Seattle needed a field goal to tie the game up and to uh, and to extend the game into overtime they had no timeouts left DK Metcalf catches the ball tries to go for the gusto and play hero ball trying to score a touchdown when he knows good and well that his team needs needs a mere field goal just to keep the game alive and just to keep the game going doesn't go out of bounds he stays in bounds fumbles the football. And 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 he, and he essentially nearly almost cost Seattle the game. That DK Metcalf is getting into fights with Packers players on the field, uh, slapping and punching guys with their helmets on, and, and you know trying to sneak their way back onto the field after they had been a. I mean, the I didn't now now the now the twenty thirteen twenty four now the twenty thirteen fourteen fifteen and even to a certain degree sixteen Seahawks. They had an edge. They had an edge to them. You know, they weren't they weren't a lovable, embraceive bunch, per se. But but they were, uh, from what I can remember, they were never like this. They were they were a fairly disciplined, smart football team. They very rarely did you see Seattle beat themselves, especially with stupid penalties like you saw on Sunday with Dunlap and DK Metcalf, the first two coming to mind. You didn't see that from them from those uh, NFC Championship contending Super Bowl Super Bowl Championship contending Seahawks teams. You didn't see that guys lining up offside. You didn't see that, and you're seeing it now in 2021, which we, you know. When I say it again, winter is coming for the Seahawks. Their little if you want to call it an era, so be it. Is it's, it's coming to a close, and and it's coming to a close fast. The writing is on the wall. This team is three and six on a road to nowhere. Where if they lose to the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday, that is the end of the Russell Wilson. In my eyes, is the end of the Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll championship contending era for the Seattle Seahawks. On top of the fact that their season, if it isn't over already, they lose Sunday to the Cardinals. That's the final coup de gras. That 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 not the final coup de gras. That's a that's a double negative. Is is the coup de gras for the twenty for the twenty twenty one Seattle Seahawks season? Offense was inept. Russell Wilson, 20 of 40, through two bonehead ass nine interceptions, through 161 passing yards. They can't run the football worth a damn. Uh, Chris Carson, why in the world, uh, why in the world their GM, Schneider, whatever his name is, thought it was wise for, for them to, to re-sign 
for them to re-sign Chris Carson in the offseason, I will never understand. And that money can go towards uh, building up an offense, building up their offensive line, saving it for DK Metcalf, whatever. Or I mean, they could there's a million things they could have did with that money that they used on Chris Carson, offering them to be out for the season and have season-ending neck injury. And Chris Carson, who stinks and is always injury-prone, why Seattle was so hard-pressed to give him a contract extension, I'll never understand. But Seattle's going to end up is going to end up paying for it within the next uh, seasons, uh, de- within the next few seasons coming up down the road. And another thing, and another thing too about the Seahawks, and I get to the Packers, and I get to the Packers in a minute. You know, how about you know we talk about Russell Wilson, we talk about Pete Carroll, this, that, and the other. You know, you know what, you know who I also to blame. You know who I also blame for this. John Schneider, GM. I I look at him too. You know, again, what was it, Russell Wilson or was it uh, Pete Carroll that gave him a contract extension this off season? What is it? Is it? Is it? Is it Pete Carroll's fault for 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 the subpar offensive line play? Is it? Now I understand that yet yeah, that yet. Yeah, that uh, you know, Pete has has maybe kind of sort of worn out his welcome, and and he's no longer one of the game's best coaches like he was during that stretch from twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen. I get that, but you know, did Pete Carroll give Chris Carson an extension? Did Pete Carroll essentially give away the majority of the first round draft capital for the next few years to get Jamal Adams? Who's overrated as hell, and for once in a, and for once in his life got an interception against the Packers on Sunday. Was that Pete Carroll's fault? Pete Carroll's fault. Russell Wilson doesn't have as great of an offensive line as he used to. Trading Max Unger, their center, for Jimmy Graham, who was who was underwhelming as a Seattle Seahawk. Was that Pete Carroll? Or was it Schneider, the GM? And I understand, as my brother told me this past week, last week, and I understand that he drafted members of the Legion of Boom, you know, Michael Bennett, and Michael Bennett, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, um, uh, Byron Maxwell, Bobby Wagner, DK Metcalf, Russell Wolf. I get that. I get that. And Seattle Seahawks fans will will always be grateful for grateful to him and be in debt to him because of the, because of the rock because the because of the Super Bowl rosters he conducted in that 2013 2014 seasons. Well, let's call it like we see it, folks. It's not with 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 Pete Carroll's flaws aside, with Russell Wilson's flaws aside. How he looks like an MVP MVP candidate the first two months of the season, then November comes around, he falls flat on his face. All that aside, let, let's call it like we see it. He has not exactly constructed a championship Super Bowl contending roster. I mean, look look at Seattle's draft capital, and we we talk about the Rams all the time. Rams, at least the Rams, are 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 in a state right now as a franchise where, where they're going to be competing to win Super Bowls. Seattle Super Bowl contending days have passed them by. 
you know, if if the Rams go out and win the Super Bowl this year, don't don't win it in twenty twenty two, but win it in twenty twenty three, it'll it'll be deemed as worth it. Seattle got nothing to show for it on top of the debacle with throwing the ball at the one yard line in Super Bowl forty nine. So winner is coming for the Seahawks. And give the Packers defense a ton of credit. You know, they held Russell Wilson to his first shutout in his they held Russell Wilson to his first shutout in his NFL career. Um his first shutout in his NFL career. Um they kept uh they you know, they they for the most part shut uh did a good job neutralizing the Arizona Cardinals uh offense in their Thursday night game on the twenty eighth of October. Um uh, what else? And then they held, and they held the Kansas City Chiefs to thirteen points. So, uh, and, and if it wasn't for a, a couple of miss, uh, miss Mason Crosby field goals and a muffed punt, the Pack, who knows, the Packers might have gotten lucky and won that game. But give the Packers defense a ton of credit, which has been their Achilles heel in seasons past. Done a phenomenal job. You know, they held. Uh, I won't count Detroit. Nobody cares. I won't count Pittsburgh. They have trouble scoring as it is. Uh, Chicago. I mean, I won't count them either. But watch the. But I mean, I mean, look. They've held. They've held their opponents to seventeen in in a couple of highlight performances. They've held Detroit to seventeen, Pittsburgh to seventeen, Chicago to fourteen, Washington to ten points, uh, Arizona to twenty one points. But then Kansas City and Mahomes to thirteen points. Although they lost that game. And they shut out the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson for the first time since week two of the 2011 season, which the Seahawks lost 24 nothing to the Steelers. That was the year prior uh, to Russell Wilson getting drafted in 2012. So their defense has played well and it has improved. Give, give, uh, give their defensive coaching staff, Matt LaFleur and Kevin King and the fellas a ton of credit. Uh, the Green Bay Packers defense has definitely improved, and when you know how to win football games, when your offense is is not exactly showing up, but your defense is, and it's carrying the weight, and you have a quarterback named Dan Rodgers on your football team, and a wide receiver Devontae Adams as well, and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon to run the football as a two-headed monster in the backfield, that that spells recipe for for Super Bowl contender. So if I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, again there are many things there are many things that they have to work on as the season moves along. They get the Vikings this week, then a big matchup against the Rams, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and then they and then they have to play uh, the Raven, then they have to play the Ravens, uh, and they have to play the Ravens and the Browns uh, in the month of this in the month of December. But Green Bay Packers have played excellent football. I mean, not it has it isn't pretty. It isn't it isn't quote unquote sexy, so to speak. But but it but it but it's t- but you gotta to win the Super Bowl. You gotta learn. You gotta know how to win games. Sometimes seventeen nothing, twenty twenty four ten. You know, twenty five twenty two. Championship football teams know know how to win games ugly. Know how to win games the hard way with good, with with uh, with good defense and, and the ability to to control the clock. 
and the, and the uh, Green Bay Packers have done that, they deserve a ton of credit. Um, Cam Newton, by the way, just to go back to him, uh, 43 career game with a passing touchdown and wrestling touchdown, extending his NFL record. This is the only time in his career that he has accounted for a touchdown in each of his first two possessions in which the t- in which his teams have had the ball. That's You have to go back to t- uh, week 12, the 2012 season at the Eagles, and the following week, week 13, at the Kansas City uh, Chiefs. And then, of course, you want to... Go to the Kansas City Chiefs, speaking of them, uh, and they just absolutely steamrolled, steamrolled and destroyed, destroyed the Vegas Raiders on Sunday. Uh, now, like I said, like I, I mentioned it briefly throughout the, during the monologue, the opening monologue that I, that I myself, me personally, you know, I got to see Kansas City go out there and beat, uh, and, you know, beat the Cowboys for a perfect example, uh, this upcoming Sunday, I gotta see the I gotta see the Chiefs go out there at home, which they have struggled at might mightily this season. I gotta see them go out there uh, and and uh, take care of business against uh, against Dallas at home. Uh, you know, by a similar score, forty one to fourteen, thirty one ten, twenty seven, twenty four nothing. In order for me to believe that the Kansas City Chiefs are all the way back, I tweeted it out, and I wasn't joking. I wasn't engaging in hyperbole when I said when I said this. My homes could have thrown for four hundred and twenty four hundred and thirty something passing yards if he if he could have hit uh Tyree Kill and shot a couple of times throughout the game. He also had one of his wide receivers on the right sideline wide open and he overthrew about 10 yards towards the end of the half, which I thought was going to come back to bite him, especially because Harrison Butker uh, missed the uh, missed the field goal to extend the lead in the closing seconds of the uh, second quarter. But thanks to the Vegas Raiders collapsing and falling flat on their face like they always do, um, uh, that, was, that was not to be the case. Uh, Derek Carr... Uh, through a and I, you know, and I, I like Tyron Matthew. I'm a fan, but I can't sit up here and listen to him or listen to him. You know, I understand he's his teammate, and you know what? Why have that expectation? But from a fa- from a fan's perspective, I can't take. Not that I can't take it, but I, it's going to go one ear out the other with Matthew praising Daniel Sorengen, who's one of the worst defensive players in all of football this season. Have him praise him for 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 getting an interception that I could have made on one of the worst, most pathetic, embarrassing passes I've ever seen from a quarterback at any level of football in my 15 some odd years of of uh of uh of of watching the sport i mean i could have made that interception for crying out loud so i so and anyway that's just one little uh tick that i had uh you know daniel sorenger now we're going you know i i could have made that i could have made that catch tyron and you you and you yourself could have made it with your eyes closed i mean you do not have to you do not have to be you know ed reed or uh, or or Eric Berry to make you know to to make that interception. I'm sorry. I mean, there was there was just many a throws that De- that Derek Carr made on Sunday night that I had no idea what the heck uh, he was doing uh, on those on those and uh, on those passes. Uh, they could not. They can't run the football a lick. You know, I got Leatherwood with a false start penalty on a fourth and inches in the open during the opening drive of the football game. 
you know, they, they cannot run the football. I mean, can you get up there and just run the football down the down the Chiefs' throats just to send a message that you're not playing around with them and that, and that you mean business and you, and you try to out and you, and you and you want to at least try to give off the impression that you're going to overpower them? Can you, can you do that, please? You ran the ball 14 times for a total of 50 yards. Derek Carr was your leading rusher, three carries, 18 yards rushing on the ground. I mean, that's pathetic. Learn how to run the football, please. Um, and and then and then of course Deshaun Jackson, who you thought that that the Raiders would would get a little life, bring the game within a field goal, and then Deshaun Jackson, you know one of the one of the dumbest players I've ever seen uh, on a football field, uh, you know runs uh, runs around in a circle and ends up fumbling the football. I mean, just typical Raider stuff. I mean, again. And I didn't, and I didn't anticipate, you know, the whole, the whole uh, circus with Gruden resigning and Henry Ruggs with the. I did not anticipate that when the season started, but this is the reason why I was saying Raiders ain't gonna go very far because for whatever the reason, it gets to, it gets to around mid-November and the team starts to collapse. And it looks like, you know, knock on wood, hopefully uh, they continue their collapse against my Bengals this Sunday. But, you know, they, this is why. I understand that they're 5-4 and four again but above 500. But, hey, they had, a, they had the opportunity to send a message to the Kansas City Chiefs and have the Chiefs at 5-5, five five, 10 games into the season, middle of the month in November, and... What do they do? They 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 do not capitalize the opportunity, and they flush it right down the toilet. And you know they got they got Dallas on thank they got Dallas on Thanksgiving. They got Kansas City on the road the twelfth of December. Then they're at Cleveland. Then they're at Cleveland, and they finish up. And then they finish up the last two games of the season on the road against Indianapolis, who's going to be vying for a wild card spot if they can keep themselves afloat by that point. And they finish the season. Uh, at home against the Chargers. So, Raiders don't miss the playoffs. It's to the fault of their very own. Mahomes uh, is 11-0 in road division games in his career. Only Joe Montana, who won 20 straight. Peyton Manning, who won 12 straight, had longer road division win streaks since the uh, AFL-NFL merger. And this and last Sunday night marked Patrick Mahomes' third career game with 400 passing yards and five touchdowns that ties Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, and Joe Montana for the most in such games in NFL history. Again, if Mahomes, and Mahomes who, who, def, who looked better and who played well, was not, the, did not achieve, he did not play a perfect game in my eyes, I understand, you know, 35-50, 4-0-6, five touchdowns, didn't turn over the football, didn't get sacked. But he, I mean, he he really could have put, he, he could have thrown for, he could have thrown for seven touchdowns and 445 if he could have hit a couple of throw, if he could have hit a couple of deep routes uh, to Tyree Kill, among other things, among other wide receivers throughout the course of that game on Sunday night. Travis Kelsey. Again, what an absolute monster. Eight receptions, 119 yards receiving. Damian, or not Damian Williams, they cut him. Uh, their their uh, running back, Williams, had a night. Darrell Williams had a hell of a game. Uh, nine receptions, 101 receiving yards, and a touchdown catch. And also hit Tyree Kill, who, again, has has not looked like the Tyree Kill that we've been accustomed to seeing. Seven receptions, eighty-three receiving yards, but did catch two touchdowns in the game as well. So the Chiefs have shown signs of improvement, and they've shown signs of promise. 
and they've shown signs of if they if you know maybe they're start maybe that this is the beginning the catalyst where they uh where they the, the, the you know the the launch pad where Kansas City gets themselves together gets themselves in order and 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 they and it could uh spring them into a nice little playoff run you know where they win their second super bowl in 3 years and make their third super bowl and make their third straight super bowl appearance in a row i have to see i have to see them go out there and uh and and beat denver and or excuse me beat dallas at home this sunday beat denver into a pulp after that and then and then come uh, december we'll check back and see and see where they are come that come that point but it's a positive sign for Kansas City about that win on Sunday. Now again, it's the Raiders. Not anything to write home about. Um, but it it was well, it, it it was a game that made you say, if Kansas City gets hot, you'll go you'll look back to this game to being uh to being the launch pad of Kansas City uh finding themselves again. Put it put it to you like that. But I, I, I gotta see more. And I gotta see it also again against a much more I like a much better opponent than the uh mediocre, up and down, inconsistent Vegas Raiders. You know. They go out there and they dominate Dallas by a similar score forty one fourteen against Dallas this Sunday and nobody on the Dallas Cowboys side gets hurt, albeit they're gonna have to go up against Dallas with no Amari Cooper, but if they take care of Dallas on Sunday, then it'll be like, oh crap! Kansas City is now at seven and four. They're back. Then, then we'll then we'll start talking. Um, the Los Angeles Rams have lost two in a row, um, and here's the issue with the with the Rams. You have to keep in mind here. Um, they have first of all, they've averaged over thirty points per game. In their first eight games, with just a total of 26 points in their last two games, their second fewest in a two-game span under Sean McVay. The thing that makes you worry about the Los Angeles Rams, and I mentioned it when I when I talked about the uh, when I talked about the Titans at the top. You know, the issue with the Rams is that there is that they're they are a finesse football team. That you know they're they and 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 it kind of it's kind of apropos that they are because of, because of the the, the sleek unit which I can't stand with the sleek uniforms the shiny brand new billion plus dollar stadium the fact that it's Los Angeles you know the 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 the, the quote unquote Showtime label that the Lakers got all those years uh, throughout the nineteen throughout the nineteen eighties shot at the Mike and the OC but but. Football is a football is a different game, especially when you go up. And not every football team you're going to play is is that flashy, glitz and glamour, finesse, highlight package type of football team that you know win games by 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 making these by capitalizing on big plays and the long passes and 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 a big hit. You're not going to play football teams that 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 whose style of play is that way. So you're gonna run into football teams that you that you can't out that you won't be able to outflash or out finesse in your game. You gotta overpower them. You gotta dominate them. And the way that the tennis and the way that the Tennessee Titans a few weeks ago and the 49ers on Monday night didn't just beat the Rams, but it had their way with the Rams and overpowered them and just had their way with them and controlled them and just beat them to a pulp all night long is very. Very alarming. I understand that Tennessee. 
Alright, one bad loss. I get it. It's not it's not a good time to let a team their first game without their best player, you know, come into your house on prime time and punch you in the face. But then for them to go on the road against a 49er team that 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 appeared to be dead as a doornail, dead in the water, uh, who sees who hang on to their season by a thread. Quarterback controversies, uh, Kyle Shanahan getting ridiculed, at least on Twitter, left and right. You know, injury injury troubles, whole nine yards. And for them to get absolutely punched in the face by the, by the San Francisco 49ers, who the, who the Rams under McVay's watch always finds and invents new ways to lose, to whether it's golf at quarterback or, uh, or now Matthew Stafford, for them to get embarrassed and lose by 21 to the 49ers is absolutely, is absolutely positively embarrassing. I mean, just an absolutely disgrace. Again, they got dominated and, they, and it got overpowered in the game. And you are going to run into teams that you won't be able to outflash them in order to beat them. You got to beat them at their own game, which is powerful, which is a strong defense, uh, controlling the line of scrimmage, controlling the clock, and being able to run the football. The San Francisco Ford, it's, it's, like, it's like the Detroit Steeler game. The San Francisco offense ran the football 44 times for a total of 156 yards, led by Mitchell, who on 27 carries ran for 91 yards on Monday night. Compare it, compare it to the Rams, who ran it a total of 10 times, 10 times, for 52 total rushing yards. I understand no Cam Akers, but hell, you traded for Sony Michelle. Henderson's no scrub. What are we doing here? Can you run the football, please? You're gonna run in the team. You gotta be met. You gotta beat them at their own game. Overpowering them, controlling the clock, running the football, attacking the line of scrimmage, and winning the battle at the line of scrimmage. You got to have that. And for whatever the reason, Rams can't seem to figure that out because they always, every time we turn around, they're losing games left and right to San Francisco. San Francisco was able to control the clock, ran the ball again, 44 carries, 156 yards, to the Rams, 10 carries for 52 yards. Rams couldn't run the football. 49ers dominated in time of possession. 39 minutes, 3 seconds to uh, to the Rams, 20 minutes, 57 seconds. So, and, and, and especially in the last two games, you look at the Rams and they are just such a soft, soft football team. They, they, I mean, they, they're getting controlled. Dominated and just pushed around the field left and right. I mean, my goodness gracious! Can you where not not necessarily the mental toughness? Where's the actual physical toughness? You guys sit up here and how to sit up here and and, and, and have the gumption about you. Say, hey, we're well, not going to get pushed around all over the field all night long for three hours and four quarters. Show a little bit of grit, a little bit of fight back. And how about McVeigh, you know, not try to make Matthew Stafford out, out to play hero ball every single time. Putting the ball in his hands so often. Throwing the football 41 times. You see where that got you? 
Last two games, last two games, I got to check the Wikipedia page to make sure Matthew Stafford's still on the Rams. Because the last two games I'm seeing is the Matthew Stafford that I reference when I say he's overrated. The Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions for all those years. That's the, that's the version of Matthew Stafford I'm seeing in these last two games. Matt MVP candidate going to make the Rams out to be Super Bowl 56 contender, Matthew Stafford. Why is, he, why is he throwing the ball 41 times, Sean? Explain to me, please. Take the, the ball doesn't have to be in his hands every single play. He doesn't have to make plays and try to win the game, win games and make plays by himself or being the forefront of trying to win games by himself, putting the ball in his hand 41 times and failing to run the football. That's not a recipe for success. How many times am I going to tell you guys that? Why do you think the last cup up until this year, why Dallas struggled as of late in the regular season? Trying to make that, trying to make that Prescott either put too much on his plate or think he's a better quarterback than what he really is and essentially give him the keys to the car and say, hey, you throw the ball, you throw the ball 35, 40, 50 some odd times. We'll rarely run the football. We, you know, our possessions will be quick. We'll, 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 we'll be quick. Well, we won't, you know, win a ton of possession battle and we'll put the ball in your hands 90% of the time and, uh, and, 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 and pray that every single time that you, that you throw the ball 30, 40 and 50 times a game, that you throw for, that you throw for 406 and five touchdown passes. Well, newsflash guys, this isn't Madden or this isn't Tecmo Bowl. That's not how real world, real life NFL football games are won. I understand it's still a, I understand that 2021 NFL is a passing league. You still got to be able to run the football. I I I know it's a passing league, and it's quarterback central. But you but it still doesn't it still doesn't excuse the fact that you still got to be able to run the football. And all good Super Bowl contending teams have got to know how and know how to, when they are forced to, to be able to run the football. Take the pressure off your quarterback's shoulders. Keep the ball out of his hands as little as you possibly can. Control the clock. Win the time of possession battle. And wear, your, and wear the opposing defense out. And the Rams have failed to do that, which is why they're sitting at 7-3 at, uh, at on the season. Take a break. Get to this Robert Sala Rex Ryan mess. This is the I'm Taylor TIS podcast. Welcome back to the Um Telica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to this uh, this little feud that's been going on the last couple of days between New York Jets uh, head coach Robert Sala and uh, former New York Jets head coach Rex Ryan. 
Um, basically, Rex Ryan, who is an employee at ESPN, who has a reoccurring, I won't say reoccurring role, because he's not an actor, but a reoccurring uh, spot on Get Up uh, during, uh, you know, during the football Mondays on ESPN. And he basically voiced this frustration saying how he doesn't want to be compared to Robert Sala again. His de- the Robert Sala's defense stinks. The, the the Jets are laughing, you know, the usual when it comes to the New York Jets and essentially how that game was a blowout, how that game was a blowout come third quarter in their blowout loss to the uh, Bills on Sunday and the place was half and MetLife Stadium was half empty, which is just absolutely embarrassing to say the least. And it got into a huge pissing match and Robert Sala defended himself and his brother chimed in. The Sala party saying, you know, Rex should worry about stuffing his face with food and being a podiatrist. That's obviously a knock to Rex Ryan uh, getting leaked. I don't know how many years ago it was, but getting outed for having an apparent foot fetish. That's neither here nor there. Um, but in basically saying how, you know, well, Rex Ryan, he wasn't any good. He inherited Eric, Mag- Eric Mangini's team and blah, blah, blah. And let me just give you my uh, two cents on this. Okay, uh first off, Robert Sala is completely in the wrong. And I understand that Rex Ryan, sorry about that with the mic. I understand that Rex Ryan um has a lot to say and he, you know, and he isn't you know, to some and to probably many, he isn't an embraceable guy so to speak. I understand that that Ryan, that Rex Ryan has a tendency to walk around and carry himself as if he's as if he's his father, Buddy Ryan, with the forty six defense. But in Rex Ryan's, where where is the lie that Rex Ryan told? In one of Rex Ryan's one in in one of, in during the years that Rex Ryan was the head coach of the New York Jets. His defense ranked no lower than 11th best in the sport, which is, again, would you like top five? Would you like top three? Would you like number one? Yes, but 11th best, 11th out of 32 is not anything to sneeze at either. Rex Ryan's defense ranked no worse than 11th in all of football during his time there. Furthermore, do you know that the Jets have allowed 175 points. I'm going to say that again. 175 points in their last four games. The 2000 Ravens defense in which Rex Ryan, ironically enough, was the defensive line coach for during during that championship from 2000 and... Uh, from 1999 to 2004 is when he was a defensive line coach for uh, the Ravens uh, at that point in period of time. That 2000 Ravens defense allowed 10 less points in 16 games. The Jets have allowed 10 more points over their last four games. So all things being equal, Rex Ryan who was a defensive line coach for one of the greatest defenses in the last 25 years, in the last 25 years in the history of the sport, 
his Jets defense when he was the head coach ranked no worse than 11th in football. And this current Jet team with Robert Sala at the helm has allowed 175 points over the last four games. Okay, they gave up 45 points to Buffalo last Sunday, 45 points to Indianapolis on that snoozer Thursday night game. They gave up, although they beat the Bengals, they, and the Bengals, at least in my estimation, had an off night offensively. They still allowed Joe Burrow and company to put up 31 points on the board, and they, and they got blown out by the Patriots by, by the score of 54-13. to So you go last four games, 45 allowed to Buffalo, 45 allowed to Indianapolis, 31 allowed to my Bengals, and 54 allowed to the New England Patriots. And Robert Sala is a guy that was hired because of the quote-unquote prowess of his defense with the San Francisco 49ers and who was considered to be a defensive genius that was going to get the defense for uh, the Jets squared away and get them and getting tight and get them tightened up and and you know pass rush creating turnovers whole nine yards yet his defense at least I know in all of football this entire season but especially just highlighting these last four games that I gave you has been absolutely deplorable and for the and for the people of the Jets that hired him and Robert Sala who thinks he's Ryan's father and buddy Ryan must how soon we forget fourth quarter Super Bowl 54 the last quarter of football he was the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers and his defense collapsed Richard Sherman getting sauced up by Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins all night. And who can forget when Tyreek Hill was wide open down the left sideline on third and 15, which, uh, which, uh, which, saved the, which saved the Chiefs, uh, not their season, but, sa- but, but, uh, but was the heave-ho that the Chiefs needed to keep their championship hopes alive. Do we forget that? His, t- his team made one play in the second half, and that was a early fourth quarter interception and accepted Mahomes in the defense. You know, and I hate this, and I'm all for celebration, and I don't mean to get off the beaten path. I'm all for celebration, but when defenses, you know, get a turnover, whether it's a fumble recovery, interception, whatever, and they do it when there's a ton of football left to be played in the game, it's not either a game ceiling or a game winning uh, takeaway that they get, I cannot stand it. It bothers me to know when defenses get you know get the ball back for their team and the entire defensive unit and a couple of guys off the bench come off the sideline to join them and they run 80 yards downfield the opposite direction to take a picture. Well, Salah's defense did that. Uh, Salah's defense did that and essentially that was a la- that's the last we- we've seen of the 2019 San Francisco 49ers defense because because literally, after they after they showed their hind parts and, and and started posing for pictures as if the Super Bowl was already over, all of a sudden here comes Damian Williams. Uh, all, all of a sudden here comes Damian Williams, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and company, and and you're blinking before you know it. The Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions for the 2019 NFL season. So you know, Salas, that was Salas' defense that collapsed. Third and fifteen, go uh, on, on a loop, play it over and over and over again. 
have it have it queued up on repeat. The Salah forget that. Third and fifteen, Mahomes to Tyreek Hill down the left sideline. Does he forget that? Does he forget that? Does he forget where his teammates, where where his team became a meme? Got that early fourth quarter interception. Went down to get their picture taken and complete and and essentially thought that the game was over. That that the Lombardi's was theirs for was theirs to be had, and their defense completely choked on its own spit and collapsed the remainder of the fourth quarter in that game. Did they did Salah forget that? And did he also happen to look at his numbers? Again, I read it to I read it to you one more time. Last four games, 175 points allowed. The 2000 Ravens allowed 10 less points throughout the entire 16 game NFL regular season in 2000. And Robert Sala wants to get in, get into a pissing match with Rex Ryan. A, he's he's getting paid. Uh, he's getting paid good money to give us a pen on ESPN. He can say and he do what he wants. Free country, freedom of speech. He can say and do what he pleases. He has every right. You know, he's he's coached for the Jets before. He's been a head coach, defensive coordinator in the NFL in the NFL in his past, and he won a Super Bowl championship as an assistant as an assistant defensive coach. Rex Ryan can say. Can, can, when it comes to commenting on football, defense, performance, Rex, Rex Ryan is more than qualified. Now, you may not like what he says and his bravado, his bravado and his, and his quote-unquote loud mouth attitude and demeanor may rub you the wrong way, which is fair too. You have every right to feel that way as well, but he's allowed to say and express his opinion. And does Rex Ryan, his ego get a little big where he thinks he's his father, you know, the great buddy Ryan, God rest his soul? Yeah, he does. But I tell you this, though. Again, Rex Ryan's defense ranked no worse than 11th in football. And, oh, by the way, there's something else I want to add, too. You know, and let's call it like we see it. The Jets have not been good outside of one Outside of one anomaly, that was a ten and six season when they and when they collapsed up, up in Buffalo against Rex Ryan's Buffalo Bills in 2015 under Todd Bowles's and Ryan Fitzpatrick's leadership. Outside of one good ten and six season in 2015, the New York Jets have been a laughing stock since Rex since Rex since Rex was kicked out the door. Can we be honest with ourselves and call it like we see it? The Jets have been a league disgrace since Rex Ryan since Rex Ryan was kicked out the door. A league disgrace. And I'm not trying to make him out to be weeb out to be weeb you out to be weeb Eubank, but you you have to be fair and you and you have to call it like you see it. Outs again outside of one ten and six season under Todd Bowles' leadership. The New York Jets have been a league laughing stock and have been an absolute joke since Rex Ryan was fired. If you want me to go through the records, I will. I will. Had one good se- had one good season. Rex's first year out the door when Todd Bowles' first year they went ten and six. And then in twenty sixteen they and in twenty sixteen they went five and eleven. Five and eleven. Twenty nine twenty eighteen they went four and twelve. Twenty nineteen they went seven and nine. 
2020 under Adam Gase, two and fourteen, and right now they are two and seven. Albeit they've had two good, uh, albeit they've had two, they got two wins, one team, one win off of, off of, like I said at the beginning of the show, the best team arguably in the AFC. And a, and a win off another team that could make the playoffs and win their own division, knock on wood. But two and seven is two and seven. And again, their defense has been a league disgrace. Disgrace. So Robert Sala, instead of getting into pissing matches with Rex Ryan and getting his brother involved, should bite the bullet, swallow that, that, uh, that, Un, that uh, vomit-inducing piece of humble pie, check his ego at the door, and say, you know what, I may not like what Rex has to say, and hearing it come from either him or hearing it uh, in, you know, in the media, on television, may be a tough pill to swallow, but he's right. My, de- my defense has given up 175 points throughout the last four games alone. Last four games we've played, we've gotten we've we've last four games that we've played. Not only have we lost three out of the last four games that we've played, but we've gotten blown out and embarrassed in every single last one of those three losses within the last four games that we've played. Our defense is one of the league worst, and I got to take responsibility for that. I'm a defensive minded head coach. I'm a head coach that was hired because of the because of the job I did in San Francisco. I got to do better than that. If he had the maturity, had the maturity, and was man enough to say that and do that, he'd be better off. But for whatever the reason, that's not the case. And again, I'm not trying to make Rex Ryan out to be his father or out to be Weeb Eubank. But let's be fair. Again, outside of Todd Bowles' first year with the team in 2015, the Jets have done nothing. And Rex Ryan did get the Jets to to back to back AFC championship games. Let's not forget that either. And again, one more time, his defense under his watch in every single year that he was there ranked no worse than 11th in the sport. I don't have the sheet in front of me. I can get it to you, buddy, at the end of this break. The Jets defense, I'm going to just take a guess off the top of my head. The Jets defense, I guarantee you, is probably ranked 31, if not 32, in all of football. Win some games and, and make sure, win some games and make sure your defense knows how to hold a. Now, I'm not even talking about pitching shutouts. Can you at least hold your defense to under? Can you at least have your defense hold opposing offenses to under 30 points? Forget under 20. Can can they score less than 30? Can can your opponent score less than 30 for a change? The one win that they've had had that they have uh, that they have had over the last four games was against my Bengals, and they, and the Bengals uh, put up still had an off day, and they still put up 31 points against them. Up, up on them. We're about winning games and making sure that your defense can hold can hold their opponents to under to under uh, 30 points. 
then you then you can start talking crap. But when your defense has given up 175 points in the last four games, uh, one of the one of the worst in all of football, you've gotten blown out and back to and you've gotten blown out in 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 three out of the last four games that you've played, two of them back to back. On top of the fact that that the, that the last game, the last quarter of football that you coached as defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, your defense imploded. Please, uh, enough of Robert Sala. With that, with that, with that, with that WWE wrestler type enthusiasm on the sidelines. Enough. Win, win some damn games, will you please? And 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 win them, you know, a seventeen nothing victory every nine again wouldn't hurt either. Twenty one, twenty four, nothing, or twenty four three. Don't 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 just beat your opponents, but your de- but your defense still puts up a lousy performance. Well, you know, y'all you get lucky and your offense, you know, scores thirty seven or forty two points. While, you, while your defense is farting around, giving up 31, 35, 50, 50, 54, 45 points in a, in, in a, in a, you know, a 60-minute game. Get a defense before you start talking crap back after this. Welcome back to the Amatelic TIS podcast. Switching gears now to Week 11 of the National Football League as we got some marquee games on the board for us to talk about in preview, and of course my week 11 picks against the spread, but of course uh, I will spend some time at the beginning of this final segment of the program to talk about how the New England Patriots are just a scary, scary good football team. I mean, and I knew that it was a crock of crap when everyone was like, oh, Bill is washed, Bill is done, the Patriots are done, the Patriots are finished. It was all it was all Brady with the six Super Bowls and not Belichick. Belichick's overrated. Belichick isn't any good. Belichick isn't the GOAT. Blah, blah. All It's all I heard about, especially after Brady went to Tampa's first year there and won themselves a championship. I mean, you want to talk about the biggest crock of garbage I've ever heard in my entire life. Bill Belichick, who was the greatest coach of all time last November in November of 2020, who was the greatest coach of all time in the February of 2021, and is still the greatest coach of all time in November of 2021. And I, I mean, if you and I said it, I told I told you guys at the beginning of the season. This is one of the reasons why I predicted the Patriots to go ten and seven. I don't believe I had them making the playoffs. I can double check, but I, I did. I didn't anticipate them to be horrible. I anticipated them to be a competitive football team and to finish with a plus five hundred record. Um, ten and seven, missing the playoffs. This is why. And if you thought if you were on Planet Delusional and were crazy enough to think that Bill Belichick was going to be suffice with going 7-9 and in 2020, sub-500 record, not winning the AFC East, not making the playoffs while watching Brady win Super Bowl down in Tampa his first year there, you need your head examined. Bill Belichick, I told you guys this at the beginning, I told you guys this at the beginning of the season, I'll say it again, Bill Belichick, 
had a, had a you know was gonna was gonna come out with a vengeance. I told you, even during free agency when they went out there and spent all that money signing you know with the with the free agency signings Hunter Henry, Matthew Judon among other players. I told you guys this back back in the off season before the season started. And I'll say it again: Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick's got something to prove. Bill Belichick's pissed off. Bill Belichick's annoyed, and he and he and he and he and he and he, and he, and he wants to still prove to everybody that I do not need Tom Brady to be an all-time great NFL head coach. Uh, and and in the last stretch of games, it's the perfect example why they beat the pulp out of the Atlanta Falcons, twenty-five to nothing on Thursday Night Football the other night. Mac Jones was having, uh, you know, it's funny. You know, back back this time a month ago, as a back yeah back this time a month ago, we thought it was Jamar Chase a clear runaway for rookie of the year, and then it's everybody else. Now, whether it's now combined with the fact that the Bengals had a bye week, on top of the fact that they've had two that they've lost the last two games and they're five and four, the margin has 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 slimmed. On my guy Jamar Chase being a clear-cut favorite for Rookie of the Year, because on top of the fact you have Najee Harris within their own division, who whose production and whose play has certainly picked up over the last month or so, which is a positive from a Najee Harris standpoint, and then also we got a factor in Mac Jones, who is just absolutely playing out of his mind, out of his mind, fantastic football right now. 22 of 26 on Thursday night threw for 207 a touchdown pass and was just abs- and was just absolutely fun- and was just absolutely phenomenal. If you want to go back to the Brown game which I didn't have a chance to do unfortunately in their 45 to 7 blowout, how about Jones going 19 for 23 and throwing three touchdowns in the game? I mean, you I mean, and this is a, and this was a team that was 2 and 4. Was 2 and 4 back in the month of October. And they've somehow turned it on. They were they were two and four, and they've turned it on, going on a five game winning streak, and they now have a seven and four record and and hold a playoff spot in the a, in the AFC. I mean, what a f- absolutely phenomenal job by Belichick! A phenomenal job by that Patriot defense, which uh, you know, with the Patriot defense, which has done a phenomenal job this season. You know, you go and look at the games that they've played. They held, you know, held even though they lost the game by a point. They held Miami to seventeen points, the Jets to six points, uh, the, the Tampa to nineteen, uh, the Jets to thirteen, Carolina to six. And just look at the last three games. They've had they've had Carolina to six points, Cleveland to seven, Atlanta a goose egg. Last three games that they've played. The New England Patriots have only allowed 13 points. And if you go ahead and you take the time to do, if you go ahead and you take the time to do the math, the Patriots who scored 25 point, who scored 25 points last night, on top of the, on top of the, as I having issues here with my calculator, um, the Patriots scored 25 points last night. They scored 45 points against Cleveland. So you do the math, 45 plus the 25, you get uh, 70 plus the 24 they scored against Carolina. That is 94 to 13. 
The Patriots in their last three games have outscored their opponents 94 to 13. They have they have they haven't allowed more than 20 points or hell, they haven't allowed more than 10 points since October 31st against the, against uh, the Chargers. And they've realistically when you look at it only had two bad defensive performances Thus, this season, 35, they gave up to Dallas, which, ironically enough, was their last loss, and they gave up 28 points to the Saints in week two, or excuse me, in week three, and made Jameis Winston out to be Drew Brees in that matchup, which is, which is, which is, hard, which is hard to believe. This team was two and four. It's like, oh, here we go. You know, it's going to be, you know, the Patriots, Patriots aren't going to be immune to the rebuild process. Every team in football has to go through it, including the Patriots, including Bill Belichick. And bam, five-game win streak. They're seven and four. So it's just, I mean, an absolutely phenomenal job. And Mac Jones is just absolutely playing out of his mind, Along, along with the defense, which I already mentioned. But how about Mac Jones? This season... This season, he's he's got an eighty-four percent completion percentage, or excuse me, that was his. He had a four. He had an eighty-four percent completion percentage on Thursday night. For the season, he has a seventy percent completion percentage, throwing for two thousand five hundred forty yards, fourteen touchdowns, and eight interceptions. I mean, for for a guy for a quarterback coming out of Alabama, and those quarterbacks are are, are nearly uh, always uh, never. You know, never what they are in college when they get to the pros. That that's a hell of a job. So competent quarterback play for Mac Jones, who who's arguably the not even arguably who hands down is the best quarterback of the 2021 draft thus far. On top of the fact that the Patriots defense is back, Matthew Judon is having an absolutely phenomenal, outstanding season. And the Patriots, you know, they don't blow you out the water with you know, when it comes to looking at the stat sheet for running the football, but they do run the football very well. Thirty carries, one hundred and thirty-four yards against the Falcons on Thursday on Thursday night, and then their game against Cleveland on Sunday, they ran the ball. Uh, they ran the ball thirty-four combined carries for one hundred and eighty-four yards on the ground, led by Stevenson in his twenty-carry, hundred-yard, two-touchdown performance. And their forty-five to seven blowout against Cleveland uh, last Sunday. So, and 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 in a, a topsy turvy AFC where the Titans are the top dog, but they're without Derrick Henry. So you wonder how long that's going to last. You know, Kansas City is making some strides, but it but it, but it, one game against the against the Vegas Raiders, at least in my eyes, isn't enough to convince me that Kansas City's all the way back. You know the Ravens coming off of a loss, uh, coming off of a loss to the Dolphins. The Bills have issues running the football and a wide open AFC. Wouldn't this be the perfect opportunity for Bill Belichick to, with a rookie quarterback, who by the way is fresh off of a national championship, by the way, with a rookie quarterback, and he gets the Patriots to the Super Bowl this season. One season after Brady leaves New England, goes to Tampa, wins wins the championship. Wouldn't that be something? 
the, the, I tell you, the Patriots are one of those teams where regardless if they get the wild card or somehow the division falls in their lap because Buffalo collapses, whatever, the Patriots will be a tough out. Regardless if they're a wild card team or they win their division, they will be a tough out come January. A tough out. Belichick's coached in more postseason games you can shake a, than you can shake a stick at. Mag Jones has had, again, rookie quarterback, ton of pressure. And a ton of pressure on him. But they, they, they can run the football. Great. When you, you got a Hall of Fame coach, good, comp, good, competent, solid quarterback play. You can run the football and your defense is legit. That's a scary combination. And the Pats are a scary, good football team. Scary good. Scary good. I didn't think they were going to go 10-7 just for the hell of it, folks. You had to figure Mac Jones was, was had, had a little something-something to him, and and Bill Belichick spending the free agency wasn't going to go in vain. You knew good and well that he wasn't going to take another substandard season, you know, seeing, seeing everything all uh, strawberries and cream for Brady and his new team down in Tampa. He's he's the greatest football coach of the 21st century. Come on. But the marquee matchups, as far as week 11 in the NFL are concerned, uh, you get Colts and the Bills is the first one. Uh, The Colts, uh, you know, Colts, you got to find a way. You know, they have been, they are a very, they are a very average football team. Uh, You go and look at the teams that Indianapolis has beaten or slash played uh, this season thus far. Uh, Indianapolis, who is currently sitting at 5-5, five and five, I believe coming off of their uh, bye week. No, no, never mind. I apologize. Sc- uh, Scrap that. Coming off of their victory off against, uh, against Jacksonville 23-17 last week. Look at all of their vic- all of their victories that they've had this season have come against sub 500 teams. Uh, Jacksonville, the Jets, uh, San Francisco, Houston, Miami, uh, you know, so, uh, all of all of their victories that they've had this season have been against have been against sub 500 teams, teams that they've lost to uh, teams that they lost to with plus 500 records, you know, the uh, the Rams, the Titans, the Ravens, say the, and they've and they got they've gotten swept by the Titans, they've lost to the Rams, they've lost to the Ravens. So I don't think myself that the Indianapolis Colts are a big time football team to begin with because they're 5 and 5 and again, they're 0 and 4 against uh against uh Playoff teams from last year slash playoff t- slash teams in 2021 with a 500 record or better. Um, so I don't think they're a very good football team. They got Buffalo. They go through the ring of these next two games. Buffalo on the road this week. Home against Tampa. Uh, at at Houston. Home against the Patriots, which will be difficult. Then on the road against Arizona. If the Raiders still have any shot come week 17, they're home against the Raiders and they go on the road to face Jacksonville. So, you know, the Colts season is, hang- is they're not making the playoffs. The AFC is too, com- the AFC is too competitive. 
uh, you know, both you got four teams in the A, you got four teams in the AFC North that could, you know, all four could could arguably make the post could make uh, could make the playoffs. The you know, and all all four won't, but I'm saying it's a possibility. Um, and then you got two teams in AFC East in the uh, in the Bills and the Patriot in the Bills and the Patriots, and then you get two t- and then you know at least maybe two teams out of AFC West, the Chargers and or the Chiefs in that division. So their season, in my estimation, you know they're not making the playoffs no matter if they, you know, they're not making the playoffs in my estimation. They're not a very good football team. But if they, you know, want to still hold on to any hope of of of, of sneaking in as a wild card team, uh, they got to take care of business against Buffalo uh, on Sunday. You know, Buffalo coming off of their blowout victory on the road against the Jets last week, finally getting themselves together uh, off of their embarrassing nine to six loss against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then, of course, you got my Cincinnati Bengals going up against. The Vegas Raiders, the bank, my Bengals coming off of a bye week. I touched on it last week. They're embarrassing, uh, you know, losing back-to-back games to Jets and then laying an egg at home against the Cleveland Browns. This is a make-or-break game for Cincinnati. You know, in my, I think the seed, I declared their season quote-unquote over to begin with. But if the Bengals, you know, want to prove yours truly wrong and want to make the playoffs and win their division and everything else, you got you got to beat you got to beat the self-destructing Oakland Raiders, who they themselves have dropped two games in a row. And you would think that the Cincinnati Bengals are a better team than the Oakland Raiders are. Better defense, better quarterback Joe Burrow over uh, Derek Carr. They you know have a bet they have a much more threatening rushing attack. In my estimation, than the Raiders do more playmakers. Uh, you know, Henry Ruggs is uh, never going to see the light of day again. The Bengals have Tyler Boyd, uh, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase on their side as well with C.J. Uzama to tight. Now, the Raiders do have the advantage at tight end Darren Waller over C.J. Uzama, but it ain't like C.J. Uzama ain't no scrub uh, either himself. But from a Cincinnati Bengals perspective, this is the game that you have to win. If you want to prove to me and prove to the world that you know these last two, that these last two back-to-back losses are a fluke, that we're a better football team than this, we'll give you a product to be proud of, and we're gonna we're gonna make the playoffs, we're gonna win the division, yada yada yada. Beat the Raiders. Go into Vegas. Don't fall around. Don't fall for the trap. Don't fall for the distraction of being in Sin City for the weekend. Go out there. For 60 minutes, right from the opening snap in the opening quarter, put the stake through, put the stake through Oakland, and don't mess around and don't fall around. Get get in, get in, get in Vegas, dominate, win, and get the hell out. You want to prove to me? You want to prove me wrong? And and prove to America that you are indeed for real and and, and intend to be a playoff team in 2021 this season. Try to win a division. Beat the collapsing Oakland Raiders, or excuse me, Vegas Raiders. Beat them. Beat them. I tweeted out tongue-in-cheek last Sunday night. The Derek, the Derek Carr I saw against the Chiefs on Sunday night, I expect to see come Sunday afternoon. No excuses. No excuses. And from a Raiders standpoint... They themselves also trying to save their season from, you know, save themselves from for another from another second half collapse. You know, put up a shut up time for Vegas as well. 
I'm going to prove to everybody that, that, that the collapsing Raiders are a thing in the past. Win the damn game on Sunday. Well, both of these two teams have to have this game. Uh, have to have this game if they want to, uh, you know, if they if they want to make the playoffs. But, but my, Cincinnati more more so than Vegas because because Vegas because even if Vegas wins this game, they go to uh, they go to six they go to six and four. You know, the loss to Kansas City is going to bite them. Uh, you know, and they got a leap, and they got to worry about tiebreakers with Kansas City. Worry about the Chargers, and then of course, when it comes to a wild card spot, dealing with the Patriots, whoever finishes ahead of them, if in second place in the AFC West and things of that nature. Bengals, the division is what the division's wide open for the taking. So you can even make the argument that if the Bengals lose this game, as long you know if. If they get it because the Bears and Ravens play first, uh, and uh, because the Bears and Ravens play first during the Sunday slate of games, um, and Cleveland, and Cleveland plays D, and Cleveland plays Detroit at one o'clock first as well. I believe Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh don't play until Sunday night. So let's say for the sake of conversation, Justin Fields and the Bears upset the Ravens. Ravens fall to six and four, and the Lions get their first win of the season against the Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh, with no T.J. Watt and no Ben Roethlisberger again lose to the to the uh, lose to the uh, L.A. Chargers. So Pittsburgh will be five four and one. Uh, five, four, and one. Baltimore would be six and four, and Cleveland would be five and four. That under that only scenario is when losing to the Raiders wouldn't be deemed as as a big deal. So, and and at D, and the Detroit Cleveland game and the Baltimore Bear game starts at one o'clock Eastern time. The Bengals are in Vegas. The only four o'clock game for now that they. Uh, were given to on the uh, on the season schedule. We'll see if they go to Vegas and take care of business properly. That's game number two. Game number three is uh, the game of the weekend, and that's between the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs. Dallas coming off of their impressive bounce-back victory over the Atlanta Falcons last Sunday while the Chiefs are trying to get them, uh, are trying to, again, maybe see if that Raider game is the catalyst for them making a big-time uh, making a big-time run in the uh, as the season moves along. Um, and from a Kansas City Chiefs st- and from a Kansas City Chiefs standpoint, you know, at least from at least from my in my eyes, you do not get you do not get crowned as being back or being crowned as as the AFC favorites again, and and a and a shoe in to win the Super Bowl by beating by beating the lowly Vegas Raiders. I mean, I'm sorry, I gotta see more from you. Now, what can change my mind and what can really make me go, oh, holy crap, the Chiefs are back? Uh, go out there and and beat and beat the Dallas Cowboys. You go out there, you beat the, you go out there, and I don't mean get lucky beating the Cowboys. I mean you know you beat them, you beat them by two touchdowns at minimum. You go out there, you beat the Cowboys by two touchdowns minimum. Your defense, your defense holds Dak Dak and the boys to under uh, you know to under twenty eight points. Then 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 I'll be impressed. 
then I'll be like, oh, okay, now I got to start taking the Kansas City Chiefs serious again. They've they've slept walk for about halfway through the season, and it's at the around at and around the midway point around the Thanksgiving holiday, and now and now they've woken up. You beat Dallas by two touchdowns, you'll get that from me. I promise you. And from a Cowboys standpoint, they can prove to everybody else that you know that the Chiefs still have issues, that the Chiefs aren't all the way back yet. And also, they, it's a big statement game for them because it's the game that they would like to have if they want to, you know, make make that push at trying to steal a number one seed uh, from the Green Bay Packers, going out there again, you know, against common opponent, uh, and go out there and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. On the road, which I believe Dallas has the full capability of doing it because they can run the football, strong defensive play, and then phenomenal quarterback play from Dak Prescott should be a recipe for success, especially if the if the Chiefs' uh, defense is out the lunch and allows you know big play to C.D. Lamb down the you know down the sidelines in the open field, and uh, and the Ch- and Mahomes finds uh, Trayvon Diggs two three times throughout the course of the game, it it can very well uh, happen. But at Arrowhead come Sunday afternoon. And then, of course, you have the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and the L.A. Chargers, like I previously mentioned. Pittsburgh will be without T.J. White. It looks like no Ben for this game uh, either. So it looks like going to, at this moment in time, going to have to give it another go with Mason Rudolph. They're going against the Chargers, who lost a tough one at home to the, uh, to the Minnesota Vikings last week. Uh, this is again the Chargers have to have. I believe they themselves are also at five and four in the AFC. Uh, yeah, they are five. They are, they're five and four as well. A game that they have to have if they want to keep the pressure on Kansas City in the AFC West. This is a game they have to have against the Pittsburgh Steelers and kind of get themselves on the right track. This is this is a game that there'd be no excuse. No excuse for the Chargers not to win this game by a minimum of 13 points. If the Chargers don't walk away from this game winning by 13 points, I mean, you got you, you really got to question what the hell's really going on with the with the LA Chargers because this is a game without the you know Steelers are playing without their best defensive player and their quarterback. This this should be easy pickings for Los Angeles come this Sunday. Uh, but we shall see. And then from a St- and then from a Pittsburgh Steelers perspective, this is a game that if you win it, you know people are going to be like, "Oh, the Pittsburgh Steelers—they're not dead yet." You know they may have tied the lines, but they're not dead yet. They're still a force to be reckoned with when it comes to the AFC. And also, you you, you uh, keep pace with Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Cleveland as far as who what team will gain control. Uh, for the AFC North uh, division lead, they are the Sunday night game. So, Bengals. So you know, Bengals and Raiders. Like I previously mentioned, that game will be done before them, and the uh, and the and the Bear Raven and the Detroit Brown game. Of course, is a are those are jeez. Oh, Got the music going accidentally. Got the music going a little early there. We'll get to the picks in just a moment. But uh, but the Detroit-Brown game and the Raven-Chicago game are 1 o'clock games with, of course, Pittsburgh and uh, Vegas at 4 o'clock. So, you know, the music is ready. I wasn't ready yet, but the music is sure ready. Week 11 in the National Football League in the league where they play for pay.
game number one between the Indianapolis Colts and the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills currently sitting at 6-3. The Indianapolis Colts are sitting at 5-5. Five five. Buffalo favored by a touchdown. Give me the Buffalo Bills to win this game by the final score of 28-14. The Baltimore Ravens taking on the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are 3-6 and six, uh, on the season. Uh, they and the Baltimore Ravens are 6-3. and three. Baltimore coming off of their Week 10 Thursday night loss on the road against the Miami Dolphins. While the Chicago Bears are currently sitting at 3-6, and 2-2 two and two at home at Soldier Field. They themselves are coming off of a are coming off of a loss coming off of their bye week, their previous game against Pittsburgh. They lost in that Monday night game, 27 to 29. Baltimore is favored by six. Give me the Ravens to win this game by the final score of 28 to 24. Then you have the Detroit Lions, the winless Detroit Lions, who tied the Pittsburgh Steelers, the division rival of the Cleveland Browns last week. Cleveland Browns coming off of their absolute 45-7 embarrassing blowout loss to the Patriots last week. They're 5-5, favored by 12 points. Give me the Cleveland Browns to win this game by the final score of 20-17. The Houston Texans are 1-8 going up against the Tennessee Titans who are 8-2 and and currently hold the number one seed in the AFC. Tennessee is favored by 10 points. Give me the Tennessee Titans to win this game in the bloodbath by the final score of 45-10. Green Bay Packers going up against the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings won at the Chargers last week while Green Bay is coming off of their gritty, gutty, Sloppy, but yet uh, impressive victory, if you want to call it that. 17 nothing over Seattle last week. They're 8-2, and two, hold the number one seed in the NFC. They're favored by a point at going up against Minnesota. Give me the Green Bay Packers to win this game by the final score of 28-17. Miami Dolphins are 3-7, and seven, going up against the New York Jets coming off of a bye who are, excuse, excuse me, just coming off a blowout loss at Buffalo, uh, or excuse me, against Buffalo at home last week. Miami getting the third one of the season, beating Baltimore last Thursday night. Miami's favorite minus three and a half, giving the Miami Dolphins to win this game with Joe Flacco starting at quarterback for the New York Jets, by the way, by the Dolphins win this game by the final score of 24 to 7. New Orleans Saints are 5-4, coming off of their fourth loss of the season on the road against the Tennessee Titans, while the Philadelphia Eagles are 4-6 and six in favorite minus 2.5. Give me the New Orleans Saints to win this game by the final score of 21-2-17. Carolina Panthers host the Washington football team. Washington coming off of their third win of the season last week at home against the Panthers division rival Tampa Bay Buccaneers. While Carolina's coming off of their blowout victory on the road against the Arizona Cardinals in Cam Newton's first game back. This is Cam Newton's return to uh, Carolina's first game 
his first home game uh, being back with the Carolina Panthers, and he happens to go up against his old coach, old head coach, and Ron Rivera, who is making the return to Charlotte for this game as well as a head coach for Washington. Carolina's favorite minus three and a half. This would be an emotional gutty and 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 could and could surprise you and end up being that sneaky good game of the weekend. Uh, give me the Carolina Panthers to win this game by the final score of 24 to 21. The San Francisco 49ers are four and five coming off of their Monday night victory against the LA Rams while Jacksonville still can't get out of its own way. Uh, dropping yet another game last weekend to the Indianapolis Colts. San Francisco favorite minus six and a half. San Francisco will get back to 500 by the final score of 27 to 17. Or excuse me, 20, let's change it to 27-21. Dallas Cowboys are on the road taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City 6-4 beat the Raiders on Sunday Night Football last week. Kansas City's favorite minus 2.5. Dallas Cowboys coming off of a block victory against the Atlanta Falcons last week. They are 7-2 and two, uh, as this game will be played at Arrowhead. This is the quote-unquote game of the week on Fox, the 425 game. Give it to Dallas Cowboys to win this game by the final score of 31-21. Arizona Cardinals taking on the Seattle Seahawks. They are 8-2 and two and favored only by a point uh, in this game. Seattle's 3-6 coming off of their loss uh, at Green Bay last week. Um, look at the injury report. Um, Buda Baker's questionable for this game. Chris Carson was placed on injury reserve with a neck injury. He was he is out for the season. Uh, looks like that the Cardinals will be getting Kyler Murray back. At least it appears so as of this moment in time. Give me the Arizona Cardinals to win this game. Uh, give me the Arizona Cardinals to win this game by the final score of. 27 to 17 and then of course you have the uh, Sunday night game uh, between the Pittsburgh Steelers and a lot a Kyler Murray's a Kyler Murray with an ankle is a game time decision uh, in case you didn't hear that because of the music Kyler Murray is a game time decision uh, with his ankle injury. And then the Sunday night game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers are 5-4 and four coming off of their home loss last week against the Minnesota Vikings. Pittsburgh coming off of their embarrassing home tie against the Detroit Lions last week. No Ben Roethlisberger. No T.J. Watt. Um, I believe the Chargers... No, not believe. I know for a fact the Chargers will be without... Uh, Joey Bosa on Sunday night due to COVID. Chargers favorite minus six points. Give me the Los Angeles Chargers to win this game by the final score of 28 to 13. And then you have the New York Football Giants taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. Tampa's favorite minus 11 points coming off of their uh humbling loss against the Giants division rival Washington last week. Giants coming off of a bye week at 3-6. and six. Their last time out, they took care of business against the Vegas Raiders at home. Tampa 
and Tampa Tom and the Buccaneers, Bruce Arians and the fellas, will take care of business and will beat the New York football giants by the final score of 31 to 13. As the Bucks are looking to snap their uh, two-game skid. Saquon Barkley, by the way, is questionable for the Giants. Um, uh, is questionable for the Giants. And we'll see as far as uh, if the Buccaneers can end the two-game skid on Monday night football. And those are your Week 11 picks against the spread here on this weekend program. And that is another episode of the Amatella Catalia's podcast in the books for your boy Jai Shields. If you're new to the program and you love what you heard, please subscribe if you haven't already. Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and follow the show on Twitter at Amatella underscore it is and the show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast and yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. It's your boy Jai Shields. Enjoy the sports this weekend. I will talk to you next week, I promise. And, and I won't wait till Friday. Y'all take care.